This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Harper now. Hutton going past one man, finding Wagstaff, Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. So welcome back to uh, another episode of the Hull and Back podcast. Tonight we've got a bit of a full one, we've got um, Joel Robinson with us, how are you doing buddy, you alright? Yeah, I'm good are you? Yeah, brilliant, thanks. Nathaniel, um, he's joining us again, how are you doing, you well? Uh, good evening, thanks for having me on again. No, brilliant. And obviously, Ant Graves as well, sporting one of the um, Hull City Retro Tops. How are you doing? The best one. It's been a while since I've had you, Ant, so it's nice to have you back. But before we get into it, and I want to start off by mentioning obviously the partners. And one of the first ones I would like to mention is Hull Badgeman. Again, I mention it all the time. He's the guy who stands outside the ground selling the badges. Small businessman, look out for him, look after small businesses and local businesses. So, do what you can there. It'd be very much appreciated. And secondly, alongside that, we've got Hull City Retro. Um, Ant's perfect advert for it right now. This is one of the shirts that we make. So, as you can see, it's, it, it replicates one of the shirts of what we would have loved to have had like, back in the day. So, um, check them out. Instead of like paying hundreds for the Authentics, these are available at £50 a pop. So, it's, it's great. It's brilliant. And lastly, we've got Charlie Spaulding, filmmaker. And again, we mentioned him on all the pods now, one of our main sponsors. He is a filmmaker in the local area, local businessman and freelance. And he, he works, he's worked with some of the biggest names, such as Adidas and the likes of Jackie Abbott. So very well accredited and great to have on board. So what we'd like to do is move straight into recapping what was probably um, a bad moment for all of us in the, the Chef United game. Um We've obviously come out of the game losing 3-1, but I just want to know straight away, I mean, do you, is there any positives to take from that? Nathaniel, I'm going to, going to go with you. You're generally the most positive guy we've got. So <laughs> find someone, find something, please. Well, we scored a goal. That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I mean, uh, we so we didn't break that 101-year record of a goal uh, with, uh, not scoring a league goal in um, six games so you know uh, that's pretty good but uh, I mean personally same with the Blackburn game I didn't think it was a bad performance it wasn't great of course but um, I don't think 
uh, I mean, the result is, of course, really terrible. But if you just looked at that game in isolation, that we've been promoted and Sheffield United have been relegated from the Premier League and we scored and we did create a few chances and we did just concede, you know, not from open play, uh, like it was from the set pieces, then you think, like, before the start of the season, oh, that's acceptable. It's just the fact that this result has come after a bunch of other bad results, which is why it's, it's negative. So, I mean... It wasn't the worst performance. I think we were worse against Derby. But, of course, it's just the result that's negative, in my view. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. In terms of performance-wise, I think Derby has to look there as one of the worst ones. Um, but, you know, for me, there's still a, a few things that I could dissect from the, the, the Sheffield United game. And I don't know if it's just a case of it's just a... It feels like we have the same thing happening over and over again now for me. But... Joe, and do you have any positives to add to that in terms of what can you pick? What can you pick from the game on on Saturday? Positives. Getting <laughs> um, that barrel, mate. It's getting deep. I liked I liked Tyler Smith when he came on. I think he proved that he needs to start the next game. I, I'm, it's not massively against Josh McGuinness or what he does because we all know what he offers the team. It's just it's not working at the minute. I don't. I, I don't. We, we don't seem to be playing the same way we did. Last season, um, I don't know if it's a bit of the, they're overwhelmed because it's better opposition and they've got that in their subconscious in the game and, and, and they just resort to hitting it long rather than getting it on the ground. But McGuinness is too isolated, and when he don't, when he's not as pacey or as mobile as someone like Tyler Smith, we, the ball just comes straight back to us all the time. So when he came on, we automatically, well, we nearly scored two goals in the space of five minutes or something. He just looked, yeah. the whole team got a lift when Tyler Smith came on, and I just think that he's going to turn out to be a very good signing because he was one of them that I didn't really know anything about. So we signed him. It was like, fair enough. We've had some good things. But from what we've seen of his brief cameos every now and again in his game against Bournemouth, he's, he's looked good. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. He takes an example, doesn't he? Um, and what we want to see is teams having to defend. And he does exactly that. Whether it is the option for the ball to be over, played over the top and him to run into the channel for it or him pressing someone, that's kind of what we want to see. And it's something we've been lacking this season. So... I've, 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 like you, it's one of the one of the few positives um, you can pick out from the game. Anything to add on that, Joe? Uh, Honeyman's back. That's another yeah. positive. Yeah, having Honeyman I mean, at Park is what we've needed all season, really, um, as an alternative to Doherty. So the buff not being ever played. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go on a negative yet. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to keep it positive. <laughs> not, not yet. No, I mean again. I'll wait, Honeyman was brilliant when he came on, you know. Um, I think I tweeted at the time, his pass through to Tyler Smith for the assist was equally as good as an assist because that mm. ball was incredible. And then it allows, it leaves Keenless Potter with little or nothing to do to put it in the back of the net. So, again, that, that was brilliant. But one of the things that's probably going to rile us a little bit was the officiating on the day. It's all right, your performance not being good, but then you kind of have to rely on the officiating on the day. And I, well, I, I, I struggle to blame referees and linesmen. Because you've still got 90 minutes of a game to get your performance right. That's the way I kind of look at it. However, when you see so many big decisions that went against us, all right, yeah, if Billy Sharp's onside, it's a penalty. But he's not onside. It's a decision that got wrong. Mm. Then to miss the foul on Malik Wilkes um, for their, for the corner goal and to top it off, the miss the call Tyler Smith offside when he's onside for a, a really important goal, which could put us to 3-2. Um, there's... Too many little things gone wrong there. I mean, did you did did anyone pick up on any anything else on that? 
I'm actually going to disagree with you on a bit of that, Matt, because I think yeah. if, if you look at either of our set-piece goals, our players were giving just as good as they got. Mm. If, if if our player was fouled, then they yeah. should have had a penalty for what our guys were doing. There's yeah. there's a clip at the moment going around that the Sheffield United fans have been putting on. Well, Louis like, Coyle literally has Billy Sharp in a headlock and then yes. appeals for a foul <laughs> on Wilkes. And it's just like, what you're yeah, doing, yeah. twice as bad as what he's done. So uh, I think, yeah, he had a bad game. The linesman had more of a bad game than the ref did. Um, but it's it's one of them things, I think, officials. You're going to have games where they seem to be against you, but there will be games this season where they tend to go in our favour. So it's one of them well, swings and roundabouts kind of thing, isn't it? I'd agree with you there. And I think I just went with the majority on, on that side of point. On that side of point, it's easy to go with that when you're seeing other decisions being made wrong in the game. But mm-hmm. no, I agree. Because if you give a foul for that, then you know we'd never see nine minutes of football because it just constantly get blown up every corner. We'd just mm-hmm. have corner penalty, corner penalty, corner free kick, and that's how it'd go all game. Um, because there is that many niggling fouls. At what point did he draw the line? So no, I, I totally agree with that. But one of the guys. I wanted to mention, and I think you all might agree with me, is that again, this guy comes up every single week um, in terms of a performance that stood out. Matt Ingram, like, mm. what was your thoughts on him, Joel? I waited until you had a mouthful to ask. Um, him. It was solid. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was solid. Um, there's not much really could fault him. He made a very good save for the penalty, um, and he couldn't really do much about the goals that went in. Um, so, he, he was he was saving what he should have been saving, and then anything that did go in was the defender's fault. I know, man, and, and it's a tough one because we we look at these things all the time, and you you hear conversations on the concourse and, and stuff like that, and they'll go, "Well, he's conceded three goals; he can't be that good of a keeper." But it, it it's not fair in him, and it it's been refreshing to see the the news article come out today in terms of he wants more from his team, and rightly so because. As far as performances are going, I think he's the only one that's been consistent throughout. And, well, and yeah, because if, if you think about it, if you look, if you look back at that whole Sheffield United game, the three goals he conceded, he couldn't really do much anything about. He saved the penalty, which at that moment in time could have been a massive moment that could have t- you know changed the entire tide of the game. And then he's going to be frustrated because we didn't do anything about it, like. You know, when game. you're pulling out penalty saves, you're going to want your team to think, right, there you go. There's your impetus. There's your momentum. Go take it, the game by Scruffy's neck now and let's get a goal back. Game changes on its head, but he didn't get that. You know, we went we went 3-0 down. So you can probably understand where he's coming from. I think he's had um, quite a lot of unfair criticism. I know he made a couple of mistakes in some of the earlier games, but th- that's what keepers do. Like, how many of our outfield players make mistakes every single game? But a goalkeeper... Yeah. Because of the position and the nature of what they do, if they make a mistake, it usually ends up in a goal. But there's been at least double or triple the amount of times where he saved our ass. So exactly, I don't really think you can count, you know, count his mistakes as something that he should be dropped for. I know, we, I know, Bax is a decent keeper, but you know, there's no reason for me to drop Ingram at the moment. I think it's one of the only decisions we see Grant McCann getting right in terms of not replacing <laughs> Ingram. Um, mm. But you know, credit. A weird decision for me. Sorry, Matt. Um, I want to see what you you guys think because um, Ryan and Justin at the second tier pod have asked me the question I'm about to ask now: is why was Mallet Wilkes, a five foot nine winger, marking John Egan on the corners? <laughs> what what that, left, that. That, that left? No one knows. Correct. I, I would say that it's it's one of them things that that. We, I don't know if we marked zonally or 
um, man mark or a mixture of both because it tends to change all the time. And I think that's why we concede so many set pieces. And you could have said that maybe Wilkes was just, that was the zone that he was in. But it happened more than once. So to me, I think it's, they're obviously working on it in training. I, the only person who can answer that question is either the players themselves or Grant McCann. Because we, yeah. we, we concede so many from set pieces. So you would you would imagine that, you know, Jacob Greaves or somebody like that would be on them. Or, I, I don't know if it's too obvious to be like, if I, I was the manager, my... Yes, yeah. If, if they've got aerial threats at set pieces, as a manager, I'm putting my best aerial threats to mark them. I just feel exactly. like that's common sense. So I can't understand why somebody yeah. like Wilkes would be marked. I don't think I've ever seen Wilkes win a header. So I don't know why he's even in the box. He should be the one waiting up top. But You've, you've nailed it there because it, it does. It just seems far too obvious for a winger to not be marking a mm. centre-back. He's pretty good in the air, though. He has scored a few headers. But it's a different Pretty thing cool. when you're when you're marking a big centre-back compared to when you're trying to get as far away from that centre-back as possible to win the header where the space is in the other side of the pitch. So, yeah, uh, and it was really concerning that, like, he, uh, although it might have been a foul for the first goal that uh, from the corner, um, Wilkes, you know, lost his man on the first goal and then the same thing happened on the second goal with the same player scoring. You know, after the first time, you can't let it happen again. I mean, we said it at the time, didn't we? We instantly tweeted into the um, group chat. Wilkes lost his man. Mm. And again, I just feel like we just don't play smart enough. And it's all right having the quality in the lower leagues, but when you come up, you've got to be smarter, you've got to be stronger, you've got to work harder. And we just don't seem to be adapting to it. And it's it's difficult to watch. But, you know, that's we'll expand on that a lot more, I think, in the, in the later part of the show. But... Before we, we leave the Matt Ingram part, I did just want to touch on the part. Did anyone see the um, little bit of praise he got from Billy Sharp in the press? Billy no, Sharp no. came out. Yeah, he said um, credit where it's due to Matt Ingram because he's he's put his penalty exactly where he wants to put it in. Mm. Matt Ingram's gone early and he's, he's got, where he's, got where he needed to be. He said any other day mm. that penalty goes in, but you know, credit where it's, it's due to Matt Ingram. really so. rare to see a City keeper in the league, at least, rather than a penalty shootout save a penalty. I might be mm. wrong. But I can't remember a goalkeeper saving one in the league since Alan McGregor in 2018. Yeah, McGregor, McGregor was decent at saving penalties. Yeah, but then you were Marshall confident that McGregor could save it. And Long, yeah, Do you remember, the others just go the wrong way. And I was talking to you about this the other day, actually. It's a little bit off topic, but we were talking about football manager. And Matt Ingram, for some reason, our football manager just saves every penalty. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I didn't have that experience. No, I, well, I did. I mean, I was not a penalty shootout I got to because I can't finish a game. On my um, city save, my team have lost every penalty shootout they've been in. And one went to like 18, <laughs> go, 18 shots. Oh, dear. <laughs> but um, uh, moving on from that, cause we have briefly touched on it, but I just wanted to look at set pieces. Like, It's an ongoing trend at the moment. We just, I, I feel like I'm deflated having this conversation, but it's difficult to try and pick it up so when we're seeing the same... Thing happen all the time. We're conceding goals from set pieces. Mm. I know you look at the size of the team. Our average height is probably not as big as other teams. And with what you'd have thought stereotypically Stoke turning up at the weekend, you go, "It's not looking good, is it?" Mm. So we just don't look like very. We just don't look yeah. like a, an aerial strong team. You know, yeah. is that even it's, a phrase? I'm making mm. up now. Strong in the air. It's yeah. really disappointing though, because I mean, you could argue that if we hadn't conceded from set pieces and Tyler Smith's goal stood, we could have won. 
it's those yeah. fine margins. Um, I mean, maybe Sheffield United would have found another way to score, but it's really disappointing when we don't play terribly, like against QPR and the first goal against Blackburn um, and Sheffield United. The first goal we concede was from a set piece or, or um, you know, one of the first uh, on Saturday. So it's disappointing that you play well and then that good work is undone because you can't organise defending a set piece. Yeah. I mean, Billy Sharp's done brilliant for the first goal. We can't take that away from him mm. in terms of the play, the ball in from, I can't remember who it is. Well, but, yeah. Nah, but, that goal annoyed me because Bernard and Coyle, communication was just poor. If you mm. watch that goal back properly, them two were just in no mind. Sharp literally just step, steps one place to the left and oh, he takes both of them out of the game. To be fair, you could dissect every goal like that, though, couldn't you? There's always a way to stop every goal, I think, yeah. apart from... I mean, that's experience for you. Yeah. yeah. We've got well, a young defence, so it's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, young and inexperienced. So where we've got where we've got the experience maybe in this league with the, the young or whatever, it counteracts itself, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, overall, you know, it's it's another loss. We're now on one win from eight games, and it's, it's not the start that any of us would have wanted we're now 28 uh, 23rd we're get 23rd in the league I'm trying to put as low down on what we are no, we're not that bad like, I don't know I just feel proper negative at the moment it's technically just... 22nd because Derby have got the points deduction incoming that's true yeah, yeah. I mean we can't get which might it. save our yeah. ass at the end of the season and we didn't we Wigan didn't save year. us yeah, <laughs> yeah, we... yeah well, we yeah. hopefully we're not repeating that <laughs> But I, I wanted to um, and try and move on from that and try and see a little bit of optimism and move on to what's going to be the um, the Stoke game at the weekend. I've had an unpleasant journey there. I've been there and watched us lose. Has anybody else been to Stoke? No, been once and seen us win. That's a rare occasion. <laughs> under under Peter Taylor, I think it was. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's... Jesus. Stewie Elliott scored like a, a free kick that just never left the ground and somehow evaded every player on the pitch and went in. It was amazing. Fair enough. Um, in, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'll ask you one at a time. How many Exel City players currently play for Stoke? What do you reckon the fan is? Ooh, Nick Powell. No, I don't name him. Just, just a number. Oh, okay. Well, give all the answers away. Mm, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to use my phone. I'm going to use my notepad. I'll I'll be back with the answer. Hopefully. Aunt Joe, what do you reckon? Four. Am I right? Four. I think I only know of two. I don't even know what Stoke squad is nowadays. I know. I know of two. Do you know how many there are? Yeah, there's one that I'm not going to play. I've got at least I've, three at the moment. I've got the names. How, how, how many is there? There's five. There's five. Oh. Who are the other two? But James oh, 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 yeah. Josh Tynan. Yeah. Sam Clucas, Tommins, and Nick Powell. Oh, Tommins, that's the one I forgot. Lovely handwriting. Yeah. Tommins, I just yeah, pretended I got never You write that with yeah. your feet, Nick. Yeah, I should have got Chester as well. I'm disappointed that I couldn't get all five. Oh, God. But, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. So, I mean, that's at least, we're starting five goals behind there, aren't we? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but. Mm. Um, it, we've got a bit of a growing trend on here where we mention a player's name who we don't like and they tend to score against us. Yeah. So, so if we say we like, oh, well, we like all of them. Yeah, uh, uh, Lucas, great, great uh, for us. Yeah, we, that's we love what I'm not looking forward to playing the most. I'm, I'm not looking mm. forward to playing against Lucas. No, no. I, I mean, he scored. I think he scored two against us the last game before COVID, didn't he? When we lost five-one. So. 
hopefully it's not another one of those. It's not one of them again. Hopefully not. But we're going into the game, obviously, on the back of another loss. Um, what do you reckon is going to happen, Joe? What, what are you expecting? Just a good performance? or? can't believe you're coming back to me again first. Um, so, for me, best case scenario at the moment is a draw. I can't, I can't see us winning, unfortunately. Um, I just see us going there and just making silly errors like we, we have been recently. Maybe conceding a penalty or conceding some set-piece goals that you really should be stopping, which has become quite common, really. It happened in League One last season, but there was more margin for error in League One because yeah. Yeah. We, be- we had, on paper, the best team in the league. But yeah. now we have, on paper, one of the worst teams in the league in the Championship. So if we make these mistakes, they will go punished, especially yeah, with yeah. the likes of, I think, Sam Surridge up front for um, for Stoke. Mm. Yeah. And he's a and Tyrese Campbell is he? He's injured, isn't he? I'm sure. No, bit might be back now. Right now, oh, brilliant. He's scoring. Yeah, but the I mean, best case scenario is a draw. I the think. one thing we don't have to worry about is a Rory Dillard throwing. So, <laughs> and then was it Abdullahi Fire that used to be on the end of them? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Fire, was it? Uh, Abdullahi Fire, Ricardo. Yeah, Ricardo Fuller. Yeah, can start throwing the throwings in from the um, from the coach's bench. <laughs> so I swear he's part of Stoke's um, set up. There's no Dino to warm up in front of him this time. Yeah, no towels either. I and mean, Stoke, if, if we're t- sorry, Nathaniel. Oh, Stoke play good football now, though. Um, uh, the second yeah. tier have nicknamed them Sexy Stoke. Like, I think they won Goal of the Month because it was like a Barcelona-esque passing move. Oh, really? So, um, maybe uh, like uh, we'll be the more kind of uh, yeah, maybe sounds- our frigidity at set pieces won't be like exposed as much. Yeah. That's Michael O'Neill now, isn't it? For me, that's a bit of a worry because I don't know if uh, in the same interview that Billy Sharp gave where he spoke about Matt Ingram and giving him the credit, he also said about the new full well what to do to get into the game. The new Albert mm. Clown was just appalling. They're just not straight. They're, they're never in line with each other. He said it, it's so easy to get in behind. Yeah. I mean, he didn't manage to hold his run, but he still managed to get in behind. Um, and if you've got teams like that that are going to look at creating space, it could be a difficult afternoon for us. Yeah. It could be, but let's talk about changes. You know, I'm going to ask two different questions here. Nathaniel, I'll come to you first and say, realistically, what changes are you ex- expecting? Not what you like to make, but what are you expecting? Mm. Well, I mean, Doherty and Huddleston are out, aren't they? They're injured. Yeah, no, um, Doherty's supposed to be expected back. Oh, that's good. Well, I'd take Matt Smith out for Doherty if possible. Um, and then I think, uh, well, but then who would be the defensive midfielder? I suppose Smallwood. So Smallwood, Doherty, Huddleston. No, Honeyman in midfield, just the standard three. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Moncur out as well, if he didn't start. Yeah, and then, um, well, I think the obvious one, uh, you know, McGuinness off and Tyler Smith in. Like, he just, he has to start. He has to. So I'm going to say bench Wilkes. No, I. I mean, I think Wilkes has been one of our brighter players in the last two games. Not a lot of end product, but he's at least he's trying to. Uh, I don't know whether def- uh, fullbacks are really. I know I, I can see Ant um, <laughs> is not. Uh, it doesn't agree with me, but he's uh, giving defenders an issue, and he's actually like. Uh, 
then he offers something a bit different, I think. And uh, the the end product will get there just like it did last year. Um, but he's not fully fit yet. He's only started a few games. So, I mean, I, I stu- stood by him last year and he was our top scorer. Like, I don't, he's got too much quality to, to, because I don't know whether any of the other wingers we've got are any better. But that's, but that's just me. So, realistic changes were to bring in Doherty, Honeyman into the starting lineup, and Tyler Smith, drop in Matt Smith, George Munker, and McGuinness. Yeah. And you pick the team up for the day on Saturday morning. You're allowed to do whatever you want from what how are you lining up? Um I have actually done on my fan up one. I've dropped Wilkes and put Monker out, right? I've got Doherty, Honeyman and Matt Smith as the holding midfielder because I think mm. he's his his strengths are Huddleston-esque. He's a he's a deep line playmaker. He wants to pass the ball about. We've been playing him in a role similar to Doherty or Honeyman. We want him to run forwards and, and commit to attack and, and, and get nitty-gritty in between the lines. And I don't think he's that kind of player. He don't play that way for Wales. So, you know, why are we playing him that way? Um, I just think that midfield would help. You've got a good mixture of attacking threat energy and passing, which we're going to miss without Huddleston. I do like Smallwood. I think he's had a good season. Um, I just think we need a bit more mobility in the middle to try and get some goals yeah. going. Um, Moncare, I really like how he just drifts forward. Um, he just wants to create things all the time. Um, I just think Wilkes this season, he's just he runs into dead ends. He loses the ball. He's sloppy in possession. The ball keeps coming back to us when we give it to Wilkes. I mean, it's got to stop because we're conceding goals because we can't keep the ball. We're hitting it long to McGuinness, who can't hold it up anymore. And then we give it to Wilkes, who runs into a corner flag, and he's got no one around him. And when he tries to take on four players with a roulette, loses the ball, and they go up the other end and score. So we've got to be a bit more streetwise. We've got to go back to doing basics well. Wilkes is a flare, Let's be honest, Wilkes is a flair player. He's like KLP. They're not going to defend. I said it to Joel at Preston when we went to the first game of the season. Our wingers were used to last season just being left up front. Hmm. This season, they can't do that. They've got to come back and support. The, the, the reason Sharp was getting in behind so easily is because our wing-backs overlap the wingers and then the wingers don't cover it. So if we lose the ball, there was a, there was a moment where Wilkes lost the ball and then just walked back. If you lose a ball, cover for Coyle because they're just getting in the wings too easily. We've got to, we've got to you know, make it a bit more solid. I think Moncare offers that because I think he does like to track back. Um, just try and, you know, stop conceding again and, and nick a goal. So It's a little bit of a tough one, really, because in terms of, you'd think it'd be a little bit reciprocated because when you look at the support the wingers get from the fullbacks, you know, they get up the pitch and they offer some really mm. good support in terms of they offer a low overlap. It might be an option just out wide to just recycle the ball or anything like that, but that option's always there for them. Yet in terms of need, when they need it at the back, you'd start yeah. to see them jogging back. But it's because it's like Wilkes is like the like the players like we had with Giovanni, for example, the luxury players, yeah. the players that you go out there and they just only want to do what they want to do. If I'm you're going to ask Wilkes to track back, I don't think he'll ever see it. He I'm does glad. sometimes, but that's only because like we've been um, without the ball for about ten minutes of the game, and the, the formations naturally just come a lot deeper. But if he if he loses the ball at his end, he's not tracking back for it, and I think that is a side of the game that we need to start doing this season because we need to we need to offer support to the back four because they've got none. For me, I think he's just not smart enough at this level and it's taken a little bit longer to adjust. And until that happens, there needs to be repercussion for not performing well enough. And that has to come in the form of 
dropping him in my aspect. I mean, That's the thing is, is Wilkes, we know what he offers and we know he's super talented. He scored 22 goals last season. You know, you don't do that if you're not a bad, a, a good mm. player. Mm. It's just that this season, like, obviously, he's not scored yet. So he'll probably have that monkey on his back for a bit. Um, it's He just looks like he's he's trying to, he's doing too much all the time. Two of Sheffield United's goals came because he lost the ball twice sloppily. And it's like, if, we, if we're going to keep the ball and try and play the way that McCann wants us to play, he's got to be smarter with it, his feet, and he's just not doing it. And he doesn't seem bothered about it, which is what annoys no. me. Like, he Sorry, received the ball. Why was he in centre midfield anyway? And he received the ball, took an awful first touch. United player dispossessed him. They went up the other end and got a corner and scored from it. And it's just like, come on, man. He's no, just got man. to wise up a bit. I totally get it. And before we move on to what's going to be another interesting part... An interesting thing is, out of the last five games, we've we've only won three of them against um, Stoke. So, it kind of fills you a little bit of optimism, if, if anything's to go, because you think if it was to go with a 50-50 ratio, we're due to win the next one, but it might not be the case. However, moving on to predictions. Joel, I'm going to come to you first again. What do you think? So, I, I did say best-case scenario draw. Um I don't think it'll be a draw. I think um, Stoke will nick the game and it'll finish 2-1. I think it'll be a late winner for Stoke. Hopefully not Klukas or any of our other former players. <laughs> Nathaniel? Um, well, just for the sake of variety, I think I'll go 2-0 uh, win. Why not? <laughs> I mean, we're going to win at Why some not? point. Uh, Tyler Smith and my new favourite player, Ryan Long, to score. And, um, you know, I'll, I'm only going to be disappointed, but, you know, we're going to have some sort of op- optimism on here. So. Keeps you happy until the weekend, though, doesn't it? Yeah. And what are you thinking? Um, I'll go with the same prediction I said on the, um, the Stoke podcast I was on earlier. Uh, I said a score draw, 1-1. I think Tyler mm-hmm. Smith will score. I think they'll take the lead and we'll peg them back. Oh, I'm, I think I'm going to go for what I'm going to call a realistic approach. And I'm going to go for a 4 1 loss. <laughs> I just honestly don't. Uh, no, that's not realistic. It would be 4 0. Yeah, you're right. No, but I think it, it looked like this one. Uh, there was a lot of talk around me in, in the stadium on Saturday. Well, this has got to be the game where Grant can go. And then all of a sudden, KLP scores, and you think, oh, well, we're fine. We scored, haven't we? It's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a monkey off. You the can't board, sack but... McCann after losing to like £100 million pound like... worth Sheffield United. It's not so much that. We'll move on to this later on, and I'll I'll address that point then. But I just think, realistically speaking, we don't look good enough to hold out a team like Stoke. Not not and keep it down to just one or maybe zero goals. Um, and I can't see us scoring enough to win the game. So I'm going to have to go for one. And Matt, Grim, Matt Ingram again, having probably man of the match performance and conceding four, <laughs> which is a strange one. But um. Mm. That moves us on to Ant's rant. We missed it for the last couple of podcasts, but he's back with a vengeance and he's ready to offload. What's on your mind, Ant? It's just, it's our style of play this season. I don't know what... I know we all say that Grant McCann's got one style of play, one formation, he doesn't change it, whatever, but I don't know if he's got the last championship stint still stuck in the back of his head, giving him nightmares. But this, like last season, we did well when we got the ball down. We played it out from the back. You know, the midfielders linked with the wingers. We got up the pitch that way. This season, we've just resorted to 
we bomb the fullbacks on and then we hit a long diagonal that just comes straight back to us. And we seem to do that all game. It's all right trying it, like, for example, 30 minutes or the first half. And then if it doesn't work, second half, it's like, right, we'll change that approach and we'll start getting out to the wings, keep it on the floor, keep it down. We're not doing that. We, 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 we keep playing long and then we wonder why we keep losing the ball and they're coming straight back to us. I mean, I know McGuinness held the ball up well last season, but the standard of defenders he was against were obviously um, not as good as, you know, some of the... We've got some Premier League standard centre-backs in this league now. Um, so we need to get it on the floor for me. We need to get someone like Tyler. Our style of play has to be on the floor. It has to be high energy. It has to be moved. And we don't move. We have the ball... Richie Smallwood drops deeper than the centre-backs and we just play it around the back four for about 10 minutes and then we hit it long and lose it. And we just, we're not scoring because we're not creating anything because the ball doesn't make its way up to the box. <laughs> and it's so frustrating to watch. Why? The only, I think the, the most infuriating thing is that it doesn't change. Like, everyone's biggest air with McCann is that when it isn't working, he doesn't switch it up. And he hasn't been doing that. And we keep having these periods of the game where we just come under sustained pressure for so long that eventually we cave in or we concede a stupid set-piece goal. And then at the moment, if a team scores one goal, we don't win because we can't score. Yeah. If a team scores two, we've lost. You know, so it's we've got to find a formula or we've got to resort to, to playing back to our strengths, which is playing it on the ground and then trying to get it in behind to the wingers to do some damage. Because when we actually did get it on the ground and start playing it, when Tyler Smith and Honeyman came on straight away, that link up down the wing, we're in the box and we score. And it's, you know, you don't want to get to a point in the season where it's like, we started doing it too late because we've fallen back. I know we're only eight games into the season, for example, but you don't want to be chasing the league. Not in, the, not in this league, not after what happened last time. I mean, what is it? 11 points from 80 something, I think. I saw just shy 90 points available that we've had in the championship. It's, it's diabolical, isn't it? You want to see improvement, you want to see change, and we don't see it, and it's annoying. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I think if I mention a couple of names now, these sort of players and the way they used to play for us and the sort of mentality they have are players that have probably walked straight into this squad and, and completely changed the season for us. And I'm going to go for these four names now. I wrote them down while he's talking. I'm going to go Fraser Campbell, Aaron McLean, Nick Barnby, and Ian Ashby. Just because they were workhorses they did the stuff on the pitch that made even made the crowd go go on get into them alternatively it did something good that made the other players go we need to step our game up because he's doing all that by himself I know Aaron McLean's a bit of a dodgy one in there but he was a workhorse he might not mm. be the best in front of goal he'd, he'd press well he'd press with a front yeah. three well he won't be very good as a lone striker in front three though mm. no just like many strikers <laughs> that we've ever had I don't think any striker we've had has done well as a lone striker mm. other than Abel Hernandez I disagree. Oh, you, you, we played four. We played two up front with him. Usually, I think. Not in the Premier League. Well, it was like. Well, maybe that's why like, he always struggled. Yeah. We always played Diame as like a number ten behind him, didn't we? Yeah. It was kind that's of true. like a shadow striker, wasn't it? Oh, he's just trying to get him and isolate him. Well, it was him and Nias up front with under Silver, but bring, maybe yeah, bring not so much. Bring Brown back. We finished mid table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got sorted. Grisicki. Fair enough. <laughs> but this this leads me on to the part that I've been thinking about the most today. And it's I genuinely genuinely am, and I don't know if you remember it from the previous pods. I'm gen I generally am one of the most positive people and I look to find a positive anything in anything. But now 
back, Grant McCann. So it's going to move on to the whole purpose of this one. It's McCann or McCann. So we're going to give each member of the pod a chance to say their piece on whether they think he should stay, whether he should go, and their reasons for it. And um, I'm going to start with Nathaniel on this one. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, at the moment, I'm not exactly McCann in, but I'm not McCann out. Before the season started, I thought, okay, well, we had a terrible end of the season under him in the championship, but he's he's at like, you know, he's uh, neutral now because he's had a rubbish season and a, a really great one. So I'll give him ten games, and if we don't, if we're struggling after ten games, then maybe I'd be a bit like, okay, maybe maybe this isn't his his league. So he's got Stoke away and then Blackpool at home, and pretty much if he if we beat Blackpool at home then I'll give him another few games. But uh, if we don't beat Blackpool at home, who are, um, you know, on paper, probably the weakest squad in the league, if we can't beat them, who are we going to beat? And I think it would be time to get rid. No, so you're going on the opinion of you wouldn't sack him yourself right now? You'd I wouldn't him sack him games. now. I'd sack him after two games if we don't win one of them. Or would you would you rely on a, an increased performance, or does it have to be results? Uh, at this point, it has to be a result. Fair enough. So we've got one for at the present time. McCann. Yeah. Uh, Joe, what are you thinking? McCann or McCann? Uh, for me, he he earned his crack um, after last season at the league. Um, Eight games in, we've played okay, but we've not been winning games, and we can't we can't carry on if we're not winning games because we'll just go straight back down to League One, mm. and we're back to where back to where we'll be, we're beginning, but we'll lose our best players from that League One team that got us up last season. So, in really, I'd say give McCann until the end of October, most. If things don't improve at all, then he's got to go. But who's out there to replace him is the main question. Who'd actually, who'd, no, who would actually come in? Who would actually come in and sort this out? Because not many people would take this job. Not while there's everything. I think they won as a championship club. Not yeah. everyone in League One, but after being in this league, it'd be quite easy to to. Uh, yeah, get there's some- lots of managers out there who who just even though it's us, would happy to manage a championship club, surely. It's just the uncertainty at the minute as well with the current possible takeover that's yeah. um, in, the, in the media. W- would a manager want to come in and risk getting sacked straight away if the new owners do come in? And why would the Alam sack McCann if, and pay him a compensation fee if they could be on the way out? So McCann could be here for the long run. But yeah, mm. personally for me, great point, give, McCann, give McCann until the end of October if nothing's improved in terms of results. We need to look for a replacement. So, so McCann, McCann, McCann. I'm not McCann in, but I'm not McCann out. I'm kind of in the middle at the minute. At the present time, you, the way things are, the bigger picture, you think it's McCann. At the moment, I'm not McCann. You're, I'm not give him another, give, give him a bit more of a chance. But if he doesn't improve, he's got to go. And I'm. Um, you see, I've I've struggled. I've known this is coming all day, and I still don't really. The thing is, is when you when you put when you when you look at the picture as as a, as a whole, 
So the massive cons for it is if you take his entire championship record into account, he shouldn't be here at all. He shouldn't have even been here last season if you take his first championship stint into into account. But he was still there and we won the title. First title in 50-odd years, you know. No mean feat. League one's not exactly an easy league. You know, teams like Sunderland, Ipswich, they're all still down there. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, that gave him a clean slate. Um, I wanted it to work for him. I think he made some strange decisions like midway through last season, but then came finished it strong. It seemed to learn from it. And we all thought maybe he's turned a corner. And we started this season. And my worry is that it's got shades off the last championship season, but so much sooner. I think it would be okay if we were scoring goals and looking convincing, but you know, we've scored in two games. We've played eight games. We've only scored in two of them. Um, that can't be ignored. Like, you can't do that at any level, never mind the championship. You've got to be at least scoring goals. And if you're not scoring goals, you at least need to be defending your set pieces because a league like the championship, set pieces are a difference between staying up or going down. You've got to be able to defend them and score them, you know, and we're not doing either. Um I don't know. I know he's had a lot of injuries. He's struggled. There's been a lot of factors. You know, a couple of the new signings got COVID and that wet match fit. We've missed Honeyman for the best part of the season. Wilkes has been injured a few games. We missed McGinnis for a couple. Moncare got suspended for three games. You know, we've we've not really had a steady team um, to find that strong 11 and they can't get into a rhythm. But for me, what makes you a good manager is getting the best out of what you've got. Now, this is what I said to about him in the first championship season. When you lose your two best players, your job as a manager is to then find a new way to score. And we continued playing as though we had Bowen and Grisicki, which I think was the most annoying thing because we didn't. We had Josh um, And the, yeah, we had Josh Bowler and God knows James Scott on the left. So, you know, th- this time round, we're seeing the same issues. Like it's not working, but he's not changing it. We're playing the same way all the time. And for me, I'm... I'll give him. I'll be like Nathaniel. I'll give him another couple of games, and if it hasn't started to look like you know we're, we're shifting things up a bit, um, creating chances and scoring goals and looking convincing in doing it, then you've got you've got to you've got to look elsewhere because his his record as a championship manager is just abysmal. It's I mean, it is really poor. I mean, credit where it's due for the three of you because the resilience to be able to sit there and still. Allow in the opportunity in your own mind, even though you are the guys with the the sword. Um, the credit where it's due, because I can imagine if you're the one who's actually making decisions, if you sat in the arm shoes, you know, and there's no outside factors coming into it, the decision's really difficult. But then to just be a fan, it's so much easier to be negative about it and be able to go just sack him. So to have that sort of opinion when it's easy to have a negative one, you know, kudos where it is, because. It's not easy to have that sort of view. But I now, and, and cutthroat like my personality is, is as soon as I see it, I, I, I stick with it. And I'm, as of Saturday, I'm, I am now McCann. Um, for me, it comes down, for anybody who knows me, I don't just enjoy watching football because I want to see a team win. I enjoy watching the the technical side of it and the tactical side of it and the chess sort, side of approach where you want to outwit the other player, not outwit, out outthink the other opposition manager and play him off the park. And I get his approach at the beginning when he first came in, 
he was able to do that. He was fresh, he was new, he had that attacking approach, and we scored some we scored some good goals, we played some really nice football. But then he got found out. And we went on that absolutely abysmal run, which saw us get relegated. And we go down to League One. And some would say that he should have lost his job in, in that interchange of, of dropping, but he didn't. He kept it. And, you know, like you said, he proved us all wrong on a results base for me. He he managed to get us promoted, champions, fair, like Ant said, first titling, whatever it is, it's 50 years. Um, Five years. So, exactly, it's a... It's, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's stuff that we didn't expect. So, therefore, he's earned himself another shot at it. But as soon as we've come back to it again, we've got a carbon copy of what we had before. Hmm. We're trying this. It doesn't work. Now, if we was to look at expected goals... Now, I don't know... I am going to rant about this, but expected goals are something that's just come out of nowhere. Um, and now everybody's judging football based on it. But if you look at ours, it's absolutely shocking. We don't look like we're going to score a goal in any game. No. We, we, we create a couple of opportunities, granted. But even if we used to take the approach of, I don't know, we, it's hard to say it, but if we used to take the approach of a really defensive-minded team, we would still create more opportunities than what we do now. We just do not have that flair, that ability to go past the team and, and make them defend, which is really is the part that I'm struggling with the most to, to see how when he came in and the attacking where he used to play and we used to think it's alright it'll, it'll work on the defence and now it's if we're around we, we just literally don't have anything going forward that Wilkes for me is, is the biggest criticism it, his decision making and then on the ball is just shocking even off the ball like he, he doesn't know where to be when to be there or how to be there it, it, for me he's, he's been the worst player I know it's, it's granted it's easy to say because he's had injuries or whatever but it's really difficult. It's it's really difficult to support the team at the moment, and I'm pinning that on Grant McCann. At the end of the day, he's at the top. He's the spearhead of it. He's at the top of it. He makes the decisions, and he's the head coach, and he isn't getting the best out of these players. And these players' stock values are going down because we're seeing in the news at the moment Southampton are linked with Lewis Potter. We're not going to get a lot of money for him because he's not performing, and that's just one of them, it's one of the things I think and. For me, verdict is well and truly the jury's well and truly come back and the verdict is in and he is McCann's. I saw an interesting style earlier. There was a Sheffield United fan who said that it was interesting to see um that we were so low in the league. Because in terms of face uh, shots faced, like teams that have had uh, shots against us, we're actually in like the bottom five or six. Like there's not many shots that are coming against us, yet we've conceded mm. so many goals, and it's because of set pieces. So, in yeah. terms of open play, we're actually defending quite well. And the Achilles heel is the fact that we're not scoring goals and we keep conceding set pieces. So, then I think how you've got to judge a manager and his current performance, so that you've got to take them sort of things into account. So, we're not scoring goals. Why is that? I would probably pin it on the fact that last season, set pieces was a massive plus. We scored loads of them. But who was the person responsible for that? Honeyman. Honeyman, we've not had him. So yes. it's one of them things, isn't it? You know, he's back now. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be fully match fit and sharp, but he, he needs, when he gets there, although it might be too late, um, we might start seeing some more goals come in. We might see our style of play change. You know, it's it's tough because when you haven't got your key creator from last season, you can't, you know, you're going to score less. That's That's going to happen. And we've not. You know, Doc is 
um, tried to single-handedly take that burden on. Moncares tried to do a similar thing, but then missed three games through suspension. We've got so many factors that contribute to us not scoring that if you were in McCann's position, you'd probably be ragging your arrow. But my criticism to that would be them change it up and find a way to score. You know I what I mean? There's... What makes me laugh, and I know it's it's probably going to be unpopular amongst a lot of people, but I'm looking at a bigger picture here. In terms of the championship last time, Honeyman wasn't liked. You know, he's yeah. he wasn't that liked by fans, and that was because they didn't think he was a championship player. A lot of that was down to that. Now we're well, we played, we played him in. A, we used to play him as know, like granted, a deep in the defensive. We also played him. On the, we also played him on the right wing, so yeah. know, he, he was played out of position a lot. But this is what I'm saying. He, he at the time he wasn't liked. And then when you look at the bigger picture, you think, well, last time you didn't like him. He's had a good season in League One, and all of a sudden we've come back to the Championship, and he's now he's, he's coming fit. Is everyone thought, well, this is it. This is where the season changes because Honeyman's back. And I'm thinking, well, this is a bit weird because yes. last time we was in this league, nobody liked him. So it's it's a tough one, but I granted I understand the bigger the, the other side of it was which is the fact that he was played out of position, and I was one of the first to mention like we've we've signed this centre mid and playing him left wing. I, th- I think the, the easiest way to sum it up would be if he was sacked, you would understand it. And if he's not sacked, you could understand it. Yeah. Like people are going to have opinions on him. Yeah. A lot of people didn't forgive him for the first season. Took took us a while to forgive him last season for that. So there's a lot of fans that will never ever take to him and will just wait for any sort of negative result to want him out. It's it, it's one of these that let's be honest. The alarms aren't going to get rid of him. They're not. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll, we'll end it not there, then, and we'll end it on a on a three to one. And I don't think I'm going to call it McCann because I think you you were was quite open in the aspect of you're not quite McCann, but you're willing to give him a little bit longer. So it's not so much you think he can do it; it's more you think you should have a little bit more time. So we'll draw that. And the overall conclusion is I lost that one three to one. So. <laughs> But that is what it is. Um, thank you, everyone who's tuned in. Um, apologies if it sounded a little bit negative by me. Um, I've just had a bit of a tough week in terms of whole city, so I'm struggling to stay positive at the moment. I'll, tr- I'll try and find a light. But on, on that side, like I say, I apologise. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Again, we've had a really good night tonight. Um, so thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.